0: Give it up for the worship team and those watching online this morning. Praise the Lord. What a great worship set. and Just thank you. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for doing uh, the things you do. Uh, we decided the first service we're going to send a team over to Nicaragua next fall or maybe early winter. So if you want to go uh, see me or Marcus or one of our leadership team or... Uh, Amanda or Donna, and we'll figure out the particulars as we navigate over the next year. We're excited about that. Also, I preach once a month uh, in Pakistan. I don't actually go there; I preach Zoom. Uh, but man, 101 salvations the other day when uh, when I preached it. So cool, right? 82 testimonies, and what the pastor said there was three verified miracles. And so, come on, one more time, give it up for the Lord. That is so cool. Um, and then. Grace Church buys Bibles. And so I think we're going to purchase somewhere around 3,000 or 3,500 Bibles this year for Pakistanians. And that's really the best part. Uh, Salvations are amazing, obviously, but to get God's word in their hand uh, as they then learn about who Jesus is in this new venture. And and, and by the way, in the Muslim nations, when you preach uh, the good news and they receive it, their families turn their back on them quite often. And so uh, this is a full-on commitment. This isn't passive. Of Christianity. This is hardcore. We're making a statement of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, again, what a beautiful thing that is, and just what a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful God we serve. Amen. And uh, again, we invite you. I believe, uh, and I can. I'll, I'll check with with uh, the one in charge, but I believe the girlfriend's event is free. There's a QR code there that gives you the information. You can bring out a dish to share, brunch type dish to share if you like. If you don't have time or whatever, I think you can still come on out. 18 and older, but we would love for you to sign up after service. And so that'll be two weeks from yesterday, and then the the events next weekend should be fun. Bring a friend if you're looking for somebody or somebody's looking for a church and you want to get them plugged in. Bring them out next week for the Harvest Fest. The kids will have fun. We'll have food. It'll be be a great time. We're uh, in the Do It Again sermon series. This is week number four, and we've learned through the first several weeks, uh, Abraham uh, looked at uh, Jehovah uh, provider, Jehovah uh, Jireh, our our provider. He gives provision, built an altar. And then Moses was Jehovah Nisi, the banner of victory, built an altar. And then last week was Jehovah um, say it out, Jehovah Shalom, peace, and he was our, and Gideon built an altar before the fact, and today we're going to talk about Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness, a really endearing one through, uh, uh, Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 23, uh, we learn, and we've been going over the first time that that Jehovah is introduced, and so, uh, Jeremiah is kind of the weeping prophet. He's, um, He's a prophet that didn't see a lot of good, to be honest with you. Uh, In fact, if he lived in the 21st century, we would say he wasn't very successful. He didn't really bring anybody to God. The, The nation was a wreck. They were wayward. Uh, and yet Jeho- uh, Jeremiah is getting this word from God. So let's, let's go to Jeremiah 23. We're going to read 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which we will be called the Lord our, is our righteousness, Sid Canoe? Let's pray, Father. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. We speak life, Lord, into your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's a living vessel. It's 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 brand new to us, Lord. We pray that you bless our minds to hear, uh, Lord, about Jehovah Sid Canoe righteousness today. Bless us, Lord, as we walk through this whole series in Jesus' name. We pray, and the church said, "Amen." Praise God. So we're learning about. Jehovah "Canu, The Lord is righteous. And we learn it from Jeremiah, who earlier in that chapter says, woe to you, shepherds. Woe to you, leaders. And he's talking not necessarily about pastors or preachers or prophets, although they would be included, but he's really talking about those leaders in Israel, the judges and the kings. Would you... Uh, watch out, he's telling them. You've led them astray. You've allowed Baal worship. You've allowed different things to take place. And so he's, he's telling them in this realm, you need to be careful. You need to be a part of a, a group that makes change, not a, a group that is status quo. And so uh, we under, understand then that God is giving correction to a nation. God brings correction to nations as he he goes through time. We've seen it through Israel. We've seen it now in different parts of the world. And yet we have this Jehovah uh, uh, Sidkenu, the righteous. And so Jeremiah is not building an altar because he's prophesying over uh, Israel. He's prophesying over God's people. This is part of the prophetic vision that Jeremiah has. If he if he narrowed his ministry down to one core thing, this is it. He's prophesying after the instruction of. Uh, of correction, he's prophesying that there's going to be one that comes out of this branch. And the branch is the, the branch of Jesse. It's a the branch of Jesus. That he becomes, Jesus said, I'm the I'm the I'm the branch, you're the vine. And it, the vine has to bear bear fruit. And so he, he shares with us and shows us how there is going to be one someday that becomes the righteousness for us all. This is why an altar is not built, because it's a prophetic word. It's a Vision that he has that we see then from uh, from Scripture that it comes to pass. In fact, uh, Paul says in Romans 11, chapter, so we'll go from what is prophetic vision to Paul speaking instruction. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches if you are. Remember, it is not used for the root, but the root that supports you. So he's challenging the Gentiles now. Don't be arrogant. You're not better than your history, which is uh, Israel and the Jews is where Jesus comes out of. But he comes for all people. So it's a it's it's a it's a circumstance of circumference that says Jesus came, but he came for all people. This is important because if we understand that the Jews rejected Jesus, and then he turns. Over to the Gentiles, but the Gentiles, as we would say today with church people, were not better than someone who needs to know Jesus or well, equal to them, we just need to show them Jesus. We need to show them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? This is important because sometimes we get stuck in our righteousness and we become self-righteousness. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees, that's what the Sadducees became. They became very self-righteous. They made a way all right, in Christ that they wouldn't allow other people in. And so the gospel message, Jeremiah prophesying, is going to be for all people. It's going to be, there's going to be this righteous branch, this righteous seed, this righteous uh, uh, vine, that if you grab a hold of it, then righteousness starts to run through you in a... a, um, Good way, it's a bad analogy, but it's a really good way. It's like poison ivy. Have, have you ever had poison ivy? Uh, yeah, so some, some of us have had it really bad. The year and the week uh, Andrew and Emily got married seven years ago, I was moving some t- trees in our yard, and they were full of poison ivy. And then I had a sweat towel because I sweat. Worse than most anybody I know. And I would wipe the towel. And I was wiping the towel with all this poison ivy all over my face. And the next morning I woke up and my eyes were swelled shut. And my face looked all distorted. And Janie said, what in the world is going on with you? And uh, and and I, I said, I think I have poison ivy. You really have it all over. So I went to uh, the doctor and they shot me up full of steroids and some of the best workouts of my week. Yes, that week. I was full of steroids and uh, and uh, it went away. Well, the tree that we hug in Christ then starts to fill us full of righteousness in a good way. And so, there's a couple of things I want to cover with you today before we get into the meat of it, and some of the things that this Jesus's righteousness do, does for us, because now we're post cross, okay? So this is before cross that Jeremiah is prophesying. Paul's talking about post cross, but it's still first century church, and now we're 2,000 years removed, and sometimes we forget the ancestry of where we came from. We're, we're grafted in. We're that wild olive shoot that's grafted in, and so we're not arrogant, but we can't be ignorant as well. If we're ignorant to what God has blessed us with, then we're no better than those who are arrogant with what God has blessed us with. So the first thing is we're we're given authority and we're given power and we're given rights as being children of God. In fact, Jesus says in John one and twelve that we're the sons of God. Now, sons as being heirs. So women are included. All right, they're not excluded, but they're not called daughters because it was the son who is the heir. There was in fact it was the older it was the oldest son who was who was the heir to to all the blessings. Jesus says that's not the case. You're all sons of Almighty God, which means we've been given the authority. We've been given the power. We've been given the right. Now, that's important to know because sometimes we don't walk in the full authority that we have. We don't walk in the full power that we have. We don't walk in our rights. Now, again, our rights, and this is what Paul's teaching in Romans 11, our rights shouldn't be arrogantly. Hey, it's me. I'm the head. I'm I'm not the tail. It's good to quote that, but we can't say that against other humanity, alright? Uh, All people is what Jesus came to die for. All people have the right to salvation. All people have the right to his righteousness. But you have to accept Jesus Sid Canoe. You have to accept his righteousness because it's a covering. Janie and I like to say sometimes when we're undercover, if you had an umbrella, all right, and she'll carry an umbrella in the car and sometimes she'll say, hey, come and get under the umbrella. Come and get undercover. We walk under God's covering, but if God's covering is here and we choose to walk outside of it, it's not God's fault. It's our fault, right? And so if I walk under the covering, I walk under his righteousness. I walk under his Sid Canoe, his His perfect authority, his right ways. He teaches me, he leads me, he guides me. So I have this authority, I have this power, I have this right to walk again, like Paul said, not arrogantly, we don't wanna forget where we came from, we don't wanna forget what we're about, but at the same time, we wanna make sure that we know we've been given this authority, Our grand boys, they're downstairs, they're starting to lift weights. And it's fun to work out with them because every time we work out, they're a little stronger. They, they're re- they're recognizing that they're growing, but they're growing in such a way that by growing and lifting weights, they become stronger. They're not naturally they would get stronger because they're growing, but they're also getting stronger because they're they're lifting. It's like when I receive Christ, um, um, I'm born again. I'm a Christ follower. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a new creature. Yet then when I read his word, I start to understand the authority that I have to walk in. I have an authority over those the evil things Evil things that want to attack my life. I have authority to to build a hedge of protection and shield of favor over my loved ones. I have authority to minister God's word to a community of believers, to a church. I have authority to invite somebody. I have authority to to pray for somebody. We we prayed for somebody on the way to to church this morning, or uh, we have prayed for people this week that were that were hurting. We have prayed for people that were sick or in the hospital. Doctor Tom's with us today. I don't know if you know, Doctor Tom, God got hit on his motorcycle and and, uh, and he's in service with us today we prayed and we believe and we and we ask God and God moves because we have that authority in our life you've been given authority to use Jesus name to approach the throne of grace and that your prayers would be heard that's powerful church that's power. You can write the President of the United States a letter and you you might get it returned. He may have read it. Somebody else may have read it. But you know that when you take your prayers to the throne room of grace, God hears them in the name of Jesus Christ. The other thing is the gold standards. You've been given gold standards. We, you might stay at like a, a five-star hotel or a four-diamond hotel. You might maybe, and I'm not, I'm not knocking anything or anybody, but maybe you have a bicycle for your transportation. Well, a bicycle's good. A motorcycle's better because the motorcycle is, has got power. And then maybe a car is better than a motorcycle, right? Because you're enclosed. If it rains, you don't want to be on a motorcycle. Trust me on that. But if you're in a car, a car is good. But you know, if you're driving to Omaha, Nebraska, it's 17 driving hours, 17. If you drive with my wife, she likes to hit every TJ Maxx and home goods along the way. So, if you're driving to Omaha, Nebraska, and you stop in Morganton, because they have a TJ Maxx, and you get in the car, and Janie says, How much more? I say, 16 and a half more hours. Well, how come? Well, because we just spent an hour and a half in TJ Maxx. And then you go to Asheville, and you have to hit the home goods store in Asheville, and you get back in the car, and she says, How long? I say, 16 hours. And she says, How come? Well, because we had to spend another hour and a half. If you stop in St. Louis, and you stop at TJ Maxx, or Kansas City, exit twenty-one, you have to stop at TJ Maxx and Home Goods. Or St. Joe's at exit forty-seven, you stop at TJ Maxx. How much further? Well, it seems like we've been in the car for a day and a day. We have. How come? Because we have to stop at every TJ Maxx and Home Goods there is. So a car is good, but an airplane's better. Why? Because it's only two and a half hours and there's no TJ Maxx on the airplane. She can go to TJ Maxx at home because all she wants is Omaha, Nebraska, with our daughter. I'll hang back with our grandson. So a plane is good, but one time we got bumped to first class. Coach is good, but first class is better. Are you with me? There's gold standards along the way. So Jenny says, "I kind of like that first class." I said, "Yes, honey. Get two more jobs. And we'll play. F- we'll we'll fly first class every time we go back home. <laughs> first class is good, but a private jet would even be better." See there's gold standards. Listen, God's got you on a private jet spiritually. Why are why are we still riding the bicycle? Why not, why not accept what God has for you? And when I say for, I'm not talking about tangible things. I'm talking you have access to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have access to God by the power of Jesus Christ. You have access to God by praising and worshiping, by getting on your knees and praying God. Why, not, why do we not take the gold standards that God has for us and do something for the kingdom of God rather than sit back and continue to ride that bicycle? Again, if you're riding a bicycle, God bless you. And I'm not downing that. I'm just saying that in the spiritual realm, there are things that we can continue to grow in Christ Jesus can give the Lord a shout of praise. He has gold standards for you. And last but not least is justice, truth, and spirituality. See, when you grow in Christ and you wear this robe of righteousness, then there's starting to be judgment. And I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking about justice. You understand what justice is. You understand that people will be held accountable and it's not our goal or our thought or our idea is to point judgment on people. It's to include people and say, listen, if you be changed in Christ, you're changed from the inside out. When Janie and I went into ministry, full-time 23 years ago, we decided we wouldn't play the Holy Spirit. We decided we wouldn't let the Holy Spirit change people from the inside out, just like he changes us from the inside out. When you become changed from the inside out, your outside starts to look different, but it may take years. We're not always changed spontaneous, right, just all of a sudden. Sometimes it takes a moment. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. But we understand that there's truth involved. And we get to more truth in our, in our life, more truth in our spirit, more truth in our being, than we realize the outside is just a shell. The old days of legalism and religious tradition, they wanted you change. They wanted you to look like a Christian. They wanted you to act like a Christian. Those people that look like Christians, smell like Christians, walk like Christians, and act like Christians, well, they might be Christians, but that couldn't be any further than the truth and the reality. Because sometimes people are just doing good to get here. Some people are just doing good to turn on the computer today and watch the sermon or watch the message or watch the worship and say, God, I thank you for being alive in my life. See, God is worried about the heart. He's not necessarily worried about the outside character. That will change over time. If we allow ourselves to be changed by the presence of the living God, that's righteousness. That's Jehovah said can do. That's what Jeremiah is talking about. He's talking about that life-giving presence and he's prophesying it because he's not seeing it in Israel. He's walking in a very depressive uh, state of mind because he wants to see it come to pass. He wants it to happen, but he knows right here it's not happening just yet. But we understand that as this is taking place, he's starting to fill with hope. And when we put the word of God in us, hope automatically comes with it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so all of a sudden, faith and hope match. Faith and hope become trust and truth. And we know, we know that God's not a man that he should love. So when we get God's word in us, we start to get changed. We start to, we start to see truth. And so what happens then is when we, we, we'll go over to the 85th Psalm. The 85th Psalm is a cool Psalm and and, and, and we're going to read it, but you have to know the the story of it. It's written by the sons of Korah and the sons of Korah aren't really the sons of Korah. Korah, the earth opened up and swallowed Korah and Dothan because they uh, they rebuked or tried to come up against Moses, all right? That's what happens when you try to go up against spiritual leaders, so be careful. The ground may just open and... (laughs) swallow you up. Hey, what happened to so-and-so? Well, they they thought I preached bad the other day and they they can no longer be found. (laughs) Thank Thank God for grace, brother. Thank God for grace. So that happened back in the day. Well, these are the descendants of Korah and they're on David's worship team. Well, if you know people on a worship team, sometimes they think differently. They act differently. I'm married to a worship leader and trust me on that. They're very creative, but they're also... Different, in a really good way. Really good way. Well, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking of the sons of Korah. They're on David's worship team, and they're sitting around writing this psalm. They're, 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 they're. Collaborating back and forth, and so I can see them having tea over an open fire, much like we would do, maybe in a fire pit, and maybe some s'mores and hot chocolate, and we're and we're just kind of kicking back and forth. And it's fun when you dream with other people, or cast vision, or or have thoughts or ideas, or even break open the Word of God. What do what do you think about this? Where in Scripture it says this? This is what the sons or the descendants of Korah are talking about when they when they're when they're riding together as a worship team, Psalms 85. Let's read it. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. Selah, that's our granddaughter's name. It means stop, pause, think about it. She's very uh, uh, contemplative, by the way. She thinks about things. She she she's very imaginative. I I think it's because she has a lot of stories read to her and reads books and and a lot of songs sung over her and to her. And she thinks about things. And she was building a a, a turtle uh, sanctuary hospital the other day. And and so her Grammy, my wife, was helping her with it. And she saw a clean out, a Kleenex box, you know, a tissue box. Oh, Grammy, look at turtle hospital, <laughs> just. Like the imagination, stop, pause, think about it. She acts out her name. By the way, your name means something, right? there is value in your name. And by the way, according to Revelations two and seventeen, you're going to have a new name written down in glory. You're going to have a white stone presented to you and a name that nobody else has, uh, with DNA that nobody else has. Your victorious warrior in Christ Jesus. And these sons of Korah are sitting and they're writing this, this psalm, which is a song. And he says, you withdrew with all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? So they're, they're kind of, they're deep in thought. They're almost depressed. Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? And by the way, again, this is somewhat prophetically because according to Joel, the second chapter, the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And if you come to our class, you'll see that starting in Acts, the second chapter, Peter quotes Joel too, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh and that has never ceased. So revival is taking place all around us, but the thing about revival is when you have to accept what God is doing in your spirit, what God is is wanting to do in your land, what God is wanting to do in your heart, and I want to receive that, and we want to receive that revival in these, these young people. I imagine them maybe college age or maybe they're, they're in a dorm somewhere, but they're drinking their tea and they're saying, Lord, would you revive us? We're David's worship team. We need to be revived that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, oh, Lord. Now they're pleading. They're presenting their case. They're, they're almost depressed, but now they're pleading, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people. Jehovah Shalom, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Now that worship team is gathering strength. They're gathering momentum. They're saying, wait a second. We don't have to live like this. We We don't have to be down and out. We don't have to walk in earthly fear. We can walk in godly fear. Why? So that glory may dwell in the land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness. Jehovah said, "Canoe and peace kiss each other." Stop there for a second. Now this is this is truly written by a worship leader, because most people aren't going to say, "Well, you know, when righteousness and peace kissed each other the other day," but it's really righteousness. Jehovah said, "Canoe." And Jehovah Shalom, the peace that God gives us, that passes all understanding, it's like heaven and earth meeting together and kissing. And I I like the song that we sing, the sloppy wet kiss. I don't know the name of it. I should, but what is it? Love. How he loves. (laughs) Say, love. (laughs) How he loves. You know it. we have sidebar we have Alexa at our house, and she doesn't understand Janie either <laughs> I'm just saying so when I have whenever I say what it's me and Alexa are always saying what well, I can't hear you, but how he loves amazing song, amazing thought, sloppy wet kiss when we When we get personal for a second and we get intimate for a moment, then we realize that God's not some place far off, that his steadfast love meets our faithfulness, that he leaves the stratosphere and comes into our atmosphere. And then his righteousness and our unfailing peace actually kiss each other. It's, It's, one of the most romantic moments you can imagine that that sloppy wet kiss is almost like a, a little baby and, and they, they drool and yet they come up and they plant one on your face and it's like, oh, wow, that's messy. <laughs> and you hold them up and they throw up in your face. <laughs> and you think, oh, man, that's really messy. And, but there's something in the parent that wipes that away and, and there's like a love there. And this is, what, this is what God, through this worship team, the sons or descendants of Korah, is saying, this is what relationship, relationship is like. A relationship can be just a little messy sometimes, but at the same time, so beautiful. And God wants relationship with people to the point where he gives his son to cover us with his righteousness because there's no righteousness. See, let me let me stop here for a second and explain one thing. In, in, in the legal term, and I'm not an attorney, we have a good young attorney in our church, but in the legal term, there's a term called double jeopardy. Double jeopardy goes like this. Once you've been tried for, and forgiven or acquitted for a crime, you can never be tried for that crime again. That's called double jeopardy if they try to bring that crime up again. See, the devil wants you to be can continue to walk in shame and blame and distortion for the things you've committed. But when Jesus died for you, he died for you. That sin has been forgiven and the past is the past. There's no double jeopardy. You can't be tried for that ever again. So when we we see righteousness and peace kissing each other, it's because of the faithfulness and steadfastness of the Lord that when we walk in that, we walk free even though the enemy wants to blame you and, and cast blame and cast doubt and cast fear about your past. You say, devil, you're a liar, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom the Son says free is free indeed. Let's move on to verse number 11. Faithfulness springs up from the ground. That's you. And righteousness looks down from the sky. That's heaven. Heaven and earth meet, and they meet at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what brings us together. This is the bridge. So we walk in our faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Help me to be faithful. And he is so righteous that he pours down his righteousness upon us. Verse number 12 says, yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Psalm 37 says the, the, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. So that when we walk in his righteousness, when we walk in his ways that are right, holy, and pleasing to him. So, pastor, is it what I do? It's what God does through you. Is it who I am? It's who God, it's, it's whose you are. You're, you're, bud, you're blood bought. And so, a couple of things here really quick I'll, before we move over to the next scripture. The righteousness isn't earned, but it's given. You can't earn righteousness, it's given by the blood of Jesus Christ. Righteousness is not bought, but it's paid for. It's that it's bumping up. If you've ever had a, a car given to you or a plane ride given to you, if you've ever had anything nice given to you and you didn't pay for it, it's, it's an amazing. I said in the first service, we have uh, some people in our church that uh, work for some of the local restaurants. And Janie and I will go to the restaurant unexpectedly. Uh, one of them will, uh, in the past, several have served us at the restaurant. Oh, it's such good service an amazing. And we go to pay the bill. And, and the person will say that bill's already been taken care of. Says, what do you mean it's been taken care of? We had good service, a good meal, and we didn't have to pay for it. What a beautiful surprise. That's righteousness. You can't pay for it, it's been given for you. You can't buy it, it's been paid for, and it's not temporary, it's eternal. Hear me on that, church. Your righteousness is not temporary. It's like I had a bad week. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is still over you, but it also it also conditions you to come slowly to him and participate in what he has for you. But it says there that it would walk on the earth. And I would say, how does it walk on the earth? Well, I want to go to Proverbs 11 chapter for a moment. And I don't have it on there. I just want you to hear it. I want you to, to receive it. But this week sometime, if you get a moment, read Proverbs 11. Here's, it says some of this. The integrity or the righteous of the upright guides them. And so if I walk in the righteousness of Sid canoe, Jesus the Lord is, it will guide me on how I go. It will order my steps. It will take care of me. Verse 4, riches don't profit in the day of wrath, but the righteousness delivers him from death. And so righteousness delivers me, even though I may die in this person, it carries me into the other side so I can spend eternity with my Father. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. He tells me to go right or left. He tells me to go straight and not look back. He keeps me on that path of narrowness. Verse six, the righteousness of the upright delivers them. Verse eight, the righteousness is delivered from trouble. And so now I don't have, I have trouble. Maybe I have trouble, maybe not. But if I do, it delivers me from that. Verse nine, by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Verse 10, the righteous, if if when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Stop, pause there for a second. Let's call a sailor on it. Let's think about this. Why are we always looking at politicians to make our way right? When Jesus said, if we live a righteous life, it'll be well in our city. Maybe it's time for the church to step up and start doing what's right and stop blaming people and start looking towards God. Maybe we need to point the finger at ourselves first. Judgment comes to the house of the Lord first, and then it's well within the city. We start thinking and looking and acting as if man can cure our problems, only God can. But when God says, when the city rejoices, it's because the people in the city are doing what's right in the eyes of God. Say amen. The blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Verse number 18, the The wicked earn deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness gets a real reward. Verse 19, whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live. Verse 21, be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. So not only if you live a righteous life, your sons and your daughters, your grandchildren will live a righteous life. The people that come in contact with you in the city will be a righteous life. Why? Because you are walking in the righteousness of Jehovah Sid Canoe. You see how important this is to receive the righteousness of the love of Jesus Christ. Now all of a sudden, my sons and my daughters are delivered. Their offspring are delivered. But verse 23, desire the desire of the righteous ends only in good. Verse 28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like green leaves. Verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Verse 31, the, the righteous is repaid on earth. Listen to that, church. Solomon, the the wisest man in the world at that time. He's telling us the story. Come on back, worship team. He's giving us the input. He's showing us what to do. He's telling us all the things that we, need to, that we need to walk through. But he's saying, here's the reward. The psalmist, that worship team, the sons of Korah, the descendants, they're saying that their feet will be ordered of the Lord. And Solomon's saying, yes, but this is how it will happen. You'll be delivered. You'll be set free. You'll be rewarded. Your sons and your daughters will be blessed. You will look at things differently. Isaiah 61, verse 3, puts it this way. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Stop for a second. These are promises that God gives Isaiah to prophesy. And when God's word goes out, it never returns void. So now he turns mourning into gladness. He turns faint spirit into praise. He calls you an oak of righteousness. In verse number seven, he says this, instead of your shame, Instead of your shame, stand with me today. Instead of your shame, there'll be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they will shall possess a double portion. Again, they shall have everlasting joy. Hear me, church, grab this today. Don't walk out of here without it. When you place that robe of righteousness, Jehovah's a Canoe, when you decide, Lord, I'm gonna do everything within my power, to live right before you. But pastor, it's not our power, it's the love of Jesus Christ, correct, that's salvation. But now we can't just take that and live however we want. Jehovah's a Canoe is what God impressed upon Jeremiah because Israel wasn't living right. Even though he was coming, their savior was coming, they weren't living right even though your savior's coming a second time, if you're not living right, if you're not Jehovah's Sid Canoe, if you're not saying, hey, I'm gonna, I am I said the prayer, I'm good to go, box is checked, but I'm gonna live it however I want. But then none of those promises or blessings are yours. Nothing in Proverbs 11, nothing in Isaiah 61 is yours. How can you say that? I didn't, the word did. But if you dare God, If you dare trust God, if you dare believe God, if you dare honor God and say, I receive your son, but I also receive his righteousness, Holy Spirit, would you help me live that? Then that double portion is yours. Close your eyes, raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so. I'm gonna pray for you. now During this next song, I I want you just just to ask God, Lord, would you cover me with your righteousness? Lord, if there's anything in my life that's, like, not right, would you, would you Holy Spirit, would you, would you convict me? Would you show me? Would you challenge me to change those things? Father, I pray right now, with hands raised and eyes closed and hearts rendered, would you challenge us today? If there's anything in our life, anything in our church, anything in our community, Lord, that needs change by the power of the living God, would you change us? Would you you cover us with your righteousness? Lord, that we don't look back, no double jeopardy. We want to look forward. We thank you for that double portion of blessing, of honor, of truth, of your Holy Spirit to be poured upon us, all flesh. Jesus, name we pray.
1: In righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest praise, but wholly trusting.
2: picture of that. Get the word picture. When he shall come.
1: When he shall come with trumpet sound.
2: through battles he's going to be that solid rock that his righteousness will take us through that um, I had shared in, in first service that there's a a, um, a family a lady and her siblings were raised in an orphanage and in our our Bible study on um, Tuesdays we were talking about the Holy Spirit and how she said you know she grew up never knowing the love of, of a father and so she asked the Holy Spirit to reveal that, what that love felt like, and that righteousness, and that. And so she expounded on how beautiful that is, and I can't imagine that. I said it just kind of took my breath away, because um, my father, probably his greatest attribute, I would say would be a righteous man. There was never a gray area for him. If it was right or it was wrong, and it was nothing in the middle, and that's how I was raised. There was no middle ground with my dad it was right or it was wrong. You do it or you don't do it. And that was how I was raised. So I would I my word picture of of the father is He is righteous. He just does everything right, and He only wants right for us, and He only wants to give us the right thing that we need. And she expounded on that, and she said that the Holy Spirit so beautifully came in and became that Father to her, that she has that Father relationship. And I just love that. But that picture of righteousness just kind of kept coming back in my heart of my Father, but our Heavenly Father who desires for us to to walk that line, but I love the part where Pastor shared about the intimacy that we have, and I love that, and I know it's disgusting, the part where he said, you know, you hold your baby up and, and it spits on your face, I'll say it a little nicer than he did, it, it gets a little wet on your face, the mess, and I love the thought that God still loves us when we mess or we make a mess, He loves our messes because He is the fixer of our messes and He can come in and fix whatever our situation. He loves us so much and I love the intimacy that we can have with God the Father. So this week as you're going through and you're reading Proverbs 11, just just read it. Just get your Bible out or put it on your phone and just hear it and just hear the intimacy that God loves us he loves us with just a love that we can't even imagine and so this week just walk in righteousness and that's what we learned about jehovah seed canoe which means god is our righteousness and it's not in our own goodness but it's in his goodness. And I think we have to remember that we're the vine and the branch. Don't brag on where you where you are today because it's where you came from that brought you to where you are. And don't forget your past. And I think, I think you are where you are because somebody prayed for you. Somebody was there. So let's um, let's just always be mindful of that, that. That we never brag on ourselves, but we brag on Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. If we start praising him. We say, oh, that was so good. The Holy Ghost runs to his father and says, they're bragging on you. They're loving you, Jesus. So I think that's so key. Um, So this week, I believe Nana is headed to Nicaragua. That is the hardest word to say. She's headed back. They are missionaries over there. And as we close today, would y'all just like draw your hands toward, I'll call her Donna for you guys, but we call her Nana. If we could just bless her and protect her, and um and the, the holy spirit would just guide her and as they feed those children that lives are going to be changed father lord we thank you lord for this precious precious woman of god i pray you go with donna you protect her on the airplane you protect her lord out there in the mission field and she's ministering to the parents and the children and the orphanages there, Lord, that, that you would open every door that needs to open in her situation, and you would close doors that don't need to be opened. That that you would finish, Lord, everything that you have started, you would complete. Lord, you would um, grant health over her life. And financially, Lord, you would make a way. Give Lord, just cause blessings to just be upon blessings upon her as she travels. I thank you for this vessel of honor. I bless her today. I thank you for her I thank you, Lord, for the heart of a servant. I pray you protect them, go with her, and just order her steps in your righteousness, Lord. I thank you for her. I bless each and every person in the in our body and uh, watching online. Those that are calling for jobs and promotions and blessings, Lord, we call that forth in Jesus' name that the righteousness of God would cover us and be with us, watch over us, protect us, and cause your blessings to be upon us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise. Amen. Love y'all so much. Be blessed. Have an awesome